So, uh, maybe you've been with us for our whole series, or you're, you're new today or new around here. We are in a series called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. Somebody say love. Love like you've never been hurt. I, I, I love these kind of series. The beauty of this kind of series is that we're able to really walk through a lot of practical, um, relevant things for your life. Week one, uh, we talked about the people in your world and how it really is. Uh, it's Life is just better together, right? Everything is better together. Last week, we dove into forgiveness, which is such such an important topic for all of our lives, right? To learn how to forgive, how to move through life. Through, through this whole series, uh, we're going to be covering different things. Uh, we're going to be going into things about your family. Ooh, yeah. Your kids, uh, even your, your dynamic with God. So I just want to commend you guys, first of all, for even being here today, diving into this, making it a part of your habit to be here on Sundays. I want to encourage you uh, to keep doing that. Be here for, for as many weeks as possible, the whole thing. Just get every single thing out of this that God has for your life. I also want to encourage you to dive in a group. We have small groups available uh, because there are awesome things that we can do here together on Sundays, uh, but then there are other things that we can't do that can only happen in a small group dynamic. It's not too late to dive in a group. We have uh, lots of different ones to choose from, uh, so dive into that. And also, uh, I've, I've been hearing great things about this book, yeah? Have you guys been, are you guys reading this book? We're, we're doing a book as part of this, by the way. It's a great book. You should pick it up. Uh, we have, have several copies out there in the lobby just to help you out, help resource you. Uh, our kids are talking about this. Our students are talking about this. This is my favorite things to do as a church where it's like you can't escape it. God is going to speak to you <laughs> about this subject. Even if you're not listening, your kids are going to come home and talk to you about it, which is an awesome thing. I think God is going to honor your intentionality in this season. Amen. Um, so if, uh, again, I haven't had the chance to really get to know you, um, here's a picture of my family, um, my obligatory dad pick, yes, uh, my awesome wife, Teresa, and my beautiful daughter there on the left, Evangeline, she's a little over a year and a half. Um, this is, I think, the third picture that we got of her smiling, so you know, I got to show that. And uh, Noble there is a little over two and a half, and they are a riot. But enough sunflowers. You came to church to talk about pain and hurt, right? Yeah, that's why you're here today, this morning, to dive right into pain. But I do think, I think it's really important that we talk about hurt, that we talk about the hurt that goes on in our lives, because whether hurt has been recent for you, uh, or maybe hurt in your life is in the distant past, uh, or maybe you've actually never experienced hurt at all, and, and your only issue is denial, that, that this, is, this is for, I want to thinker, let it soak in, 
This is important. This is important that we talk about these things. And I think it's important that the church, the body of Christ, address these things. Because we've all experienced it, right? We've all experienced hurt at some level in our life. We've all known people that have experienced hurt at different points in their life. Uh, For better or for worse, hurt is a universal human experience, We have a saying around here that is so, so very true. I I love it. We've been saying it for years, and there's incredible truth in it. It's this. Your destiny is tied up in your connections, in your connections. Man, if you get a hold of that, your whole life will transform. Your connections, the people in your world, so very important. But I have another one that's similar to that that I think has some equal truth, and it's this. Your destiny is tied up in your hurts. Your destiny is tied up in your hurts. So, so Ryan, do you mean like my hurts are, are holding back my destiny and my future? Or do you mean my, my future is, is somehow connected to my hurts? Yes. Yes, is the answer to that. There's two ways uh, to kind of look at this. One, uh, I do want you to hear this very clearly, that, that God wants to set you free from your hurts. He wants to set you free from the pain and hurt in your life. Because see, as long as you are focused on that hurt, your future, your destiny is on hold. It's on hold. The second part of that is that God actually wants to use your hurts to set someone else free. God wants to use the pain and hurt that you have gone through to actually help someone else. What a cool idea. Because see, your story isn't in vain. The hurt that you've experienced isn't in vain. God wants to use it for his glory. Because see, your future can be one where others actually get life and freedom and healing through God using the hurts in your world. See, I think there, this is, this is a big idea. I think there are people, there are people in your next season that are waiting, that are waiting for you to get healed from the hurts in your life. They're waiting just for you. Not for me, for you, to get healed from those hurts. And that's why it's so important that we talk about this. But see, the tough part, the tough part about talking about a, a series that focuses on hurts is that we have to talk about hurts. Yeah, that's not fun, is it, to talk about hurts? like going to the doctor. The worst part about going to the doctor is going to the doctor, Yeah. You gotta, you gotta look at what's really going on. So some of you know uh, the story of my wife and I, Teresa. I shared it in a message earlier this year. Uh, some of you may not be familiar with it, but there's a chapter in our story that I like to brush over. Uh, even when I was asking Teresa's permission, note, ask her permission to share this part of our story, her reaction was, okay, seriously, why are, we, why are you sharing that again? Is that, is that like you have to do that? But we all like to skip over these parts 
of our stories, don't we? It's the, uh, you guys remember Seinfeld? It's the, uh, the yada, yada, yada from Seinfeld, yeah? So I met this girl, we broke up, yada, yada, yada. We're married, happy with two kids now, yeah. You skip over certain parts. So it was April 2007, and Teresa and I had been dating for about two years, and uh, God had quickly told me she's the one, she's the one. And he had never said that before about anybody else. So I was stoked. I was excited. I can't wait to make her the one. But in April 2007, it did not seem like she was the one. We started our relationship strong, but we fairly quickly got out of sync. We started doing things that hurt each other and our relationship and uh, we made choices uh, to do that to each other. And what I didn't realize at the time was that I was bringing all of the past pain and unresolved hurt in former relationships into that relationship. And I was expecting everything to be okay. But I was broken and unhe- not healed in so many spots. So after several months of just confusion and, and anger and hurt and all of that, we called it quits on April 15th, 2007. It's, it's funny how you just remember so clearly the horrible moments, right? <laughs> I remember it super clear. I'm glad I'm laughing about it now, but we're, we're at her apartment. We're sitting on her couch. We're holding hands, and we are just bawling our eyes out, telling each other, it's over. This is it. We're done forever. Because I couldn't see sunflowers and babies and awesomeness and everything that God had planned. I couldn't, I couldn't see that, right? We can't, you can't see that in those moments. All I know is that I am devastated. I am totally broken. In a moment, in a moment, the future is gone. Maybe this happened to you before. We're just in a moment in a moment that you didn't expect, the future just disappears. I'm broken. I'm so upset. She is upset, and I'm, and I'm angry. I am devastated. I'm driving home, and, and I feel like God has lied to me. Have you felt like God has lied to you before? He said she's the one. Don't know if you know this or not, God, but we kind of need to be together for her to be the one. And here we are, broken up for good. We're done. It's over. I'm devastated. I'm driving home. And later that night, it hits me. It's tax day. (laughs) I've done Teresa's taxes for several years, and I haven't done her taxes yet. And so it gets even more sad as I get her taxes together and I start processing her 2016, at that point, return, crying, sobbing, as I am going through 11 o'clock at night, filling out my now ex-girlfriend's taxes for her, processing exemptions, charitable contributions, and my broken heart all at the same time. And Maybe you're like, Ryan, I cry every year when I fill out my taxes. Is that not normal? We're going to pray for you at the end of today's service. 
So I just, I just go into a, a, everything I understand to be a full-blown depression. I don't know if it was a, a, a clinical depression kind of thing, but it's the worst thing that I have ever felt in my life. I don't want to eat. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to sleep all the time. Uh, I was mopey, right? Uh, I want everyone to know. I'm not going to do this depression thing halfway. I want everyone to know how sad and depressed I am, right? Depression is a group sport. You want, you want everybody to make sure and participate. So Teresa and I, but we, we didn't know how to handle it either, right? We're, we're already a mess, and then it gets even messier. Uh, Pastor Jensen uses this example in his book when he talks about the assassination of President Garfield uh, where he gets shot and there's these two bullets. They get one out. They can't find the other one. But the doctors, they keep digging and probing and probing and trying to dig it out and they keep reopening that wound. But now medical experts and historians tell us that maybe if they just left it alone, He could have been okay. It wasn't a life-threatening spot where that bullet was. And that's exactly what Teresa and I kept doing post-breakup. We would would meet each other in the Food Lion parking lot and just sit in a car together, in silence mostly, and just cry. (laughs) He's really going to not like me telling this part of the story. That's what we would do. There's no plan. We're just reopening the wound, being sad. There's no like, here's what we should do. Here's what we should try. We just kept reopening the wound over and over. And for so a full month and a half, I am getting nowhere. I am getting nowhere. So I decided to choose to do something different. I don't know why I decided, but I decided to choose to do something different. This is not working. This is obviously not working, so I'm going to choose something different. Our church at the time was doing a 99 days campaign from Memorial Day to Labor Day where we were just saying, hey, go after something for 99 days. Go after something. And I decided I wanted to read my Bible in 99 days, cover to cover in 99 days. And that forced some new habits in my life because that's a lot of reading, and I'm reading, I'm up at every single morning at 5.30, I'm reading on my lunch break, I'm reading during breaks, at wherever. every single time I had a chance, I'm reading, which at the time I didn't realize that I wasn't feeling good about all that. I just decided I'm going to choose to do something different. Uh, I got in a small group, I actually got in three small groups, right? <laughs> I'm not wanting to get uh, alone at all, and I made these choices, they were actually the opposite of what I felt like doing. Because when you're feeling depressed, you don't wanna be around a bunch of people, right? You wanna be alone, and I'm forcing myself to be in these, these conversations and, and be around all these people, these different small groups and in the word constantly. And man, I would love if I could tell you that's the formula. Just do it. In 99 days, everything gets totally fixed. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. God did start at the biggest, uh, so far, personal spiritual uh, revival in my own life during that time period, which I can see clear now, but uh, it didn't get fixed in 99 days. 
Teresa and I do finally get back together and yada, yada, yada. We get married finally. Several years later, it took several years. Uh, and then marriage fixes everything, right? Yeah? Thank goodness marriage fixes nothing, really. It, it actually just puts a big old magnifying glass <laughs> on everything that isn't right. Come on, you're laughing because you know it's true. So we quickly discovered, yeah, let's just, everybody, give, your, give yourself a hand because we, we all need healing from that. <laughs> but Teresa and I, we quickly, quickly discovered that even as newlyweds, that, that some of that pain and hurt was still there. It was very much still there. We were still a mess, shocking, still a mess. And we had a choice to make right then. We had a choice to make. We could either choose to live in that old pain and in that old hurt, or we could choose to love each other like we had never hurt each other. And that was huge. That was a huge moment of choice. And fortunately, by the grace of God, we did choose that route and move through very purposefully some of those pain moments and those hurt moments. And God healed and, and repaired. And we're in a much, much better place today. We're still completely flawed. I'm still completely flawed, but we are healed. That's what we're actually called to be, right? Flawed, but healed. That's our name through Jesus. Yeah, amen? So uh, today, uh, the, the title of my message, what I really want to go after is this, is that love is a choice. Love is a choice. Now maybe, maybe you've experienced hurt in your life from some past relationships. Maybe you had a spouse who was unfaithful, or maybe you brought infidelity into a marriage. Maybe there's estrangement in your family, kids you just don't talk to anymore, siblings, parents that you're just done with. Maybe there's pain from your work life. A failed business is in your resume. Somebody ripped you off. Somebody cheated you out of the promotion that you deserved. Maybe there's pain from past abuse in your life, physical, emotional abuse. Maybe you brought abuse into your family. Whatever pain, whatever hurt is going on in your life, can I just tell you that God has a plan for restoration and healing in your life. God has a plan for restoration and healing. He wants to bring you freedom from that hurt and pain. His plan is that you're not just back to where you were. His plan is actually better than before. That's his plan for your life. And I think one of the ways that this plan gets in to action is this amazing gift that God has given us, and it is the power of choice. Somebody say choice. Choice. One of the greatest tricks of the enemy, and he's got a few up his sleeves, but one of his best tricks 
is to make us believe that we don't have a choice. He wants to trick us into thinking that we're stuck right here no matter what, and there are no options. That's what he wants us to believe. But thank you, Jesus, we have the word that tells us something different, don't we? Deuteronomy 30, 19, what does it say? It says this, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Oh, that you would, say it with me, choose life so that you and your descendants might live. That's good. That's good. We have a choice. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I started to think about this broad topic of love and how the Bible really talks about love. And what, is, what does the Bible actually say about all of this? Does, does love in, in Bible times actually mean anything for us today? The Bible actually talks a lot about love. It's one of the most talked about topics in the word cover to cover. The New International Version of the Bible actually records 551 times the Bible references love. And if you look at how many chapters in the Bible, a little less than 1,200, about half of the Bible is talking about love. This must be an important thing for us to understand. A couple verses here uh, that you might be familiar with. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not know love does not know God, for God is love. And then this next verse, this is Jesus talking here in John 13, 34, and 35. He says, so I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by always being right, everyone... Hold up. No, that's not what it says, is it? It says... For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. Sorry, I get mixed up in my own translation sometimes. So Jesus is instructing us this incredible thing. This is how we're going to tell everyone that we are followers of Jesus. This is huge. If we polled every single person that said, I am a Christian, I am a believer, they would say, yes, I, I, I want to be that. And yet, is this what Christians are known for? Your silence is deafening. Is this what believers are known for? Loving each other. One of my favorite things about our church, it actually drew me in, it's been something we've said from the beginning, is that we want the church, the body of Christ, to be known for what we are for, not what we're against. And see, it's easy, it's easy to point at those Christians for not acting right, those people who say they love Jesus, that are acting all crazy on social media and CNN. 
They're making us look bad. There's some truth in that. But here's, here's the hard question for us today. Here's the hard question. Am I known for how much I love others? Is that how people know me? I think about, you know, the whole gravestone thing, like what are people going to put on your gravestone? Is that what people are going to say about me on my gravestone? How much do I love others? Is that what I'm known for in the community, in my church, in my school, in my work? Is that what comes to their mind when they think about me? Because that's what Jesus said he wanted us to do. See, I think it comes down to choice. I think it comes down to our choices. Think of someone who you believe is known for loving others. Think of that person right now. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a close friend. This person is just known for loving other people. It's the way they operate. I guarantee you, if you got them in a room and you said, be honest with me, they would tell you it is a choice every single day to be this way. It's not just the way I'm wired. It's not just how I'm feeling. It is a choice to do that every single day. So I want to take a look at uh, a Bible character here and and look at his his life real quick and do a couple things uh, that that, uh, just show us how choosing love impacted them. I want to talk about Joseph. I love Joseph. He's awesome. He's one of the greatest characters in the Bible. He, he is a character. He had pain and hurt brought into his life. If you're not familiar with the story, I'll tell you really quick. He, he, uh, he grew up in a, in a large family, had lots of siblings, lots of brothers. And uh, one day he tells his brothers about a dream that he has, essentially that he's going to rule over all of them. And like the brothers that uh, they are, they say, hey, that's nice. How about we kill you? No, really kill you. And so they kind of talk themselves out of that, but then they go, next best thing, we're going to sell you into slavery. That's the kind of family we are. See, everybody thinks their family's messed up till you read the Bible. Bible families are jacked up. They are. Just read. (laughs) They are. Who does that? So Joseph gets sold into slavery, and you better believe He has a choice to live in that past hurt, to live in that pain, the betrayal. We're we're, we're having some fun with it this morning, but your family just sold you into slavery. That's heavy. That's pain. So he has a choice to live in that or to move forward in his life and love like he's never been hurt. That's the choice that was in front of Joseph, to do that and move into everything that God has called him to. Well, you, you may know the rest of the story, but Joseph does choose to love like he's never been hurt, and he goes on to be the second in command to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. There's a major famine happening, and Joseph is instrumental to saving his family and saving a nation. I want to catch up in this story, just read really quick, where his brothers actually come for a visit, 
And, and again, Joseph has, has a choice to make of what he's going to do. Genesis 45, 4 through 11, he says, I am Joseph, your brother, who sold you into Egypt. But don't feel bad. Don't blame yourselves for selling me. God was behind it. God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. He set me in place as a father to Pharaoh, put me in charge of his personal affairs, and made me ruler of all Egypt. Hurry back to my father. Tell him, your son Joseph says... I'm master of all of Egypt. Come as fast as you can and join me here. I'll give you a place to live in Goshen. I'll take care of you there completely. There's still five more years of famine ahead. I'll make sure all your needs are taken care of. You, everyone connected with you, you won't want for a thing. Man, I don't know about you, but Joseph is a better man than me. (laughs) He had a choice in that moment. He could have taken those brothers. He could have had them killed instantly, killed. He could have had them sold into slavery. Guess what? I'm going to do some some retribution here. I'm going to get some revenge. I'm going to do to you what you did to me. Hmm? That's what he could have done. He could have had them beaten. He could have had them publicly embarrassed. But the choice he makes, you better believe that is a choice in that moment. He chose love. He didn't choose just to give a friendly wave and a smile. He chose love. Like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to go above and beyond all the things. He chose love. And because he did that, he not only saved his family, he saved a nation. He saved a nation. So, that is Joseph. And I, and I, and I love that. I love that. So, how do we do this? How do we choose love? Well, I, I appreciate the imagery that Paul uses in Colossians. Colossians 3, 12 through 14, it says this. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. That's good. That's good. So here's the thing. I think that most of the time, the yuckiness we exhibit in our lives, the things we're, we're not proud of so much. It's like wearing pajamas. Huh? It's just a little more comfy in my pajamas. In my case, Bigfoot's pajamas. <laughs> Where did we get these? But it's easy to hang out in your PJs, isn't it? It's easy to hang out. I've done a 48-hour stint before. Anybody with me on that? Come on. Yeah, y'all, y'all. There we go. Honesty in church. I love it. I love it. It's just easy. It's easy to get cozy up 
in your nice PJs here because they're so soft. And, and here's the thing, we don't, we don't consciously put on terrible things, right? You don't go up to your closet and go, hmm, yes, let's see, I wear my bitterness jacket with my jealousy slacks and my shoes of wrath. That's what I'm going to put on today. But see, here's the thing. What happens is, stay with me. This is biblical. A lot of times, we just find ourselves in our pajamas. Have you done this before? You just, you, you're just there. You don't know how you got there. How, how long have I been wearing these? Right? Am I, have I been going out like this? And that's the thing. That's the thing. Is that I think this is how it happens. You just, you just start going out like this. You just... <laughs> I'm to put my jealousy pants back on. I want to make sure those stay up. But this is, how, this is how it happens. You go out like this, and you just start walking around. And it's cozy, and it's comfy. And you don't want to get out of this. It's just nice. This is what I'm comfortable with. This is what feels good. It's easy, right? This is what happens. But see, this is what the Word tells us to do. Throw it up in the message translation, which I appreciate as well. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Again, it says this. So, chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God has picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. Somebody say, wear love. Wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Every morning we put it on. Every time that situation comes up, we make a choice to put it on, to put on love. The Bible talks about it this way and says, put it on, wear it. It talks about it this way because it doesn't happen by accident. Yeah, it happens because we make a choice. We make a choice to put it on. And you've got to do it every single day. Don't stay in your pajamas. You with me? Let's put on love together. The final thought, and we're going to do something special here. We choose love because God chose us. We choose love because God chose us. 1 John 4, 9 through 13. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him this is the kind of love we're talking about not that we once upon a time loved God but that he loved us 
He made a choice to love us. And God chose to send his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us, chose to love us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. If we love each other, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us. Perfect love. Perfect love. That's good, somebody. Come on. Hey, let's do something together right now. Can we all close our eyes? Our worship team is going to come in just a moment, but I want us to do something special right now. We've been talking a lot about some tough things in this series so far. Haven't we? Some hurt, some pain. Maybe you have that hurt and pain that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about. We're about to have a moment together here where we get to choose, where you get to choose to leave pain and that hurt behind. You get to choose in this moment we're about to have together, to choose to forgive anyway no matter what the situation is, no matter even if they don't deserve it, even if they didn't ask for it, we get to choose in this next moment to love like we've never been hurt and to say yes to a heavenly father who chose us first. So we're gonna have this moment of worship all together and then I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna pray for us and I'm gonna give us an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So let's all stand together right now I want to encourage you, lean into this. Choose worship. Choose love together. Let's do it.
Let's pray together this morning. God, I lift up every single heart in this room. Lord, you see all of our hurt. Father, you see our past. You see all of that. And you chose to love us anyway. So God, I lift up every single life in this room. And I pray, God, that we would choose love. Father, that we would choose to leave our pain and hurt in the past. God, give us the strength to do that, Father. Help us, help us to move forward into the life that you have called us to. I pray that as we walk out into our weeks this coming week, God, that you would surround us. Father, that you would remind us in every moment that we have a choice to love. Father, I lift up every heart that has been hurt. God, and I speak healing and your wholeness into their life. Father, only you have the capacity and ability to heal that hurt. And Father, we speak that healing into lives right now in the name of Jesus. This morning, I also want to give us an opportunity as all eyes are still closed and your heads are bowed to make another choice, really the greatest choice of your whole life, which is to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to a God who loves you more than you could possibly imagine, a God who chose you first. So this morning, we're not going to do anything to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. But if you're in a spot today where you would like to say yes to Jesus, yes to God for the first time, maybe you've never done that before, where you're in a spot where you used to be close to God, but you're not right now and you want that closeness, or you're just not sure. You're just not sure where you are, but you want to be sure. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to make that choice. So if you're in any of those spots today, you just want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, maybe you want to come back to Him today, back to God, or you want to be sure, will you just raise your hand this morning so I can pray with you today? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over the room. Thank you, Father, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else, today is your day. I know you're not here by any accident. Anybody else, just raise your hand so I can see it. I want to pray with you. I want to include you in this. Anybody else this morning? Beautiful. Hey, we're all going to pray this prayer 
together. This is especially for those of you who raised your hand this morning. We're all going to say this out loud. Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, forgive me. Be the Lord of my life, first in every way. Holy Spirit, fill me so I can know God and serve Him and live for Him. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you, Jesus, for my brand new life. Jesus, help me to choose love. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give God a hand this morning? Beautiful.